Part 9 of The Blue Review, Volume 1, Issue 2, edited by John Middleton Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Theatre by John Drinkwater. Theatres in the Air. Mr. Gordon Craig, towards a new theatre, Dent, 21 shillings net, has produced a beautiful book, and in that he justifies himself. If we complain that it fails in its primary intention, we are ungracious, for the gift of a beautiful book can in no case be just cause for complaint, no matter how capricious its service may be. The imaginative reader of great dramatic literature is accustomed to create ideal performances in his mind, a visionary conduct of movement and conflict that is unimpeded by the thousand embarrassing circumstances of the theatre. Mechanical difficulties and mishaps the personality of the actor, the enormous problem of investing the complicated and delicate piece of machinery, which is comprehensively called the stage, with the freedom and elasticity of art. And he will, too, often set this ideal performance against an ideal background, without consideration of time and space, of the theatre's walls. This background, Mr. Craig does much to realise for us, on paper, these designs, with their admirable economy of detail, and their stirring suggestion of height and distance, cannot but leave our imagination the richer and more apt for the creation of those performances that outrun all the possibilities of theatrical device. Mr. Craig has dreamt well, and for this we are grateful. It may be said here that his new book is not greatly concerned with the opposition to words as the primary medium of drama, that's found an advocate in the author's art of the theatre. And there is no present necessity to dispute Mr. Craig's denial of poetry on the stage. Many of these designs are made for accepted masterpieces of poetic drama, and whatever the designer's quarrel with the spoken word may be in general, it is not laboured here. Nor are we disposed to pay very much attention to the text of this present volume. Mr. Craig is not a good writer, either in style or temperament. His prose is constantly aping the ease of the conversational stylists, and always failing to catch their secret. It is rather like Mr. Newman or Mr. Montague on stilts, the fine lissomeness of gaits that is natural to them turning to awkward condescension, as who should walk a little way with Tom and Dick, poor fellows. There is, moreover, scarcely anything in these notes that was very much worth saying rather an irritating wagging of the head with an i could and if i would so that dismissing the book as telling us but little of mr craig's views of the whole art of the theatre and finding annoyance rather than pleasure in his writing we are left with the bare designs themselves which are indeed the sole and ample justification of the volume we wished that they had been published in a folio without any trappings but since their maker decided against this, we are not disposed to quarrel unduly with what we take to be an indiscretion. These designs are full of imaginative beauty, and no one can look at them without realising that Mr. Craig is one of the most gifted men of his time. He has, as we have said, dreamt finely and cleanly. The imagination is never dissipated into mere fancy. But Mr. Craig calls his book, Towards a New Theatre, and it is at this point that the real trouble in his work begins. 
a great play does not necessarily need the stage to prove its greatness but it is certain that the dramatist can only achieve high mastery of construction by knowledge of and in terms of the theatre it is questionable whether apart from this gain the artist can secure any profound and lasting pleasure from work in the theatre but however this may be every artist who has any experience of such work knows that whatever the theatre may or may not be it cannot possibly be a place of dreams life in a theatre is a life of continual conflict with immediate and practical difficulties on the stage a daily compromise of ideals with necessity of dreams with stubborn physical facts the supreme virtue of the theatre is that it is the one instrument by which it is possible to make great art popular and it is an understanding of this condition that is drawing so much of our best work to-day into its service but the theatre is definitely a place in which to do and not to dream mr cray gives us a design for the last scene of the first act of hamlet it is extraordinarily impressive and really quickens our perception of the poet's moods at the back of the stage is the figure of a man behind him rises a great square-cut block of building measuring this from our figure we find it to be sixty feet high and the sky goes up above it we do not see the full breadth of the scene but measuring that part which is visible by the same standard we find it to be seventy-five feet ninety feet if we allow a small margin on either side it is as we say undeniably impressive but will mr craig put it on a stage for us we have another design a dark flight of steps thirty-five steps as nearly as we can count them a foreground of perhaps ten feet on the steps is the figure of a woman an isolated point of light in the surrounding darkness mr craig sees much emotional value in the design and so do we will he put it on a stage for us it does not help to tell us that he is working towards a new theatre and not the new theatre the fact is that there is not the remotest possibility of a theatre in which these designs could be translated into terms of the actual stage you cannot have sixty feet high buildings with the sky over them on the stage and if you could you would have a stage that would be useless for everything but pantomime and you cannot light a single figure without lighting a surrounding space at least you cannot do these things in the theatre that is already beginning to announce again that it will have its own passionate and vigorous life whatever might be done in the theatre towards which mr craig tells us he is pointing saying gaily that it is also a mountain of course many things might be done in or on a mountain but that is another matter the young theatre to-day is in fierce opposition to a misconceived and wholly unpoetic principle of stage decoration mr craig more perhaps than any man living might lead and inspirit it in a struggle that means a good many bruises or he might quite justly absent himself from the theatre altogether and continue to achieve admirable designs which will feed the imagination but not the stage if he is to do us the former service he must show us how to work in cloth and wood and limes and electric bulbs remembering that the people who are willing to have their imaginations stirred and to pay for the adventure will not fill a mountain that the theatre in other words insists before everything else 
that the artist shall oppose himself to practical difficulties at every turn and that he prove every dream upon the stage as he goes along it is not surprising that many artists realising these severities of the theatre refuse to bow to a discipline so stern if mr craig confessed himself to be of these nobody could blame him and his art would lose nothing but it is useless to tell us that he is pointing the way to achievements in the theatre which even he himself by his own witness can yet do little more than see dimly in rapt ecstasy and at the same time ignore the perplexing but inflexible conditions that the theatre imposes on its servants End of part nine.